Testament. Please note, there are five basic divisions into which books are allocated. The Law of the Pentateuch is comprised of the first five books. The history section includes Joshua through the book of Esther, Job through the Song of Solomon are considered to be the books of poetry, and from Isaiah through Malachi are the books of the prophets. The order for the Christian or Greek Bible was established in the Septuagint. 1 Samuel is about man's choice, Saul. 2 Samuel <coughs> is about God's choice, David. 1 Kings records Solomon and Israel. 2 Kings examines Israel and the following Solomon. And 1 Chronicles is Solomon in the temple. And 2 Chronicles is all the other kings in the temple. Today we will talk about the first of two parts of the book of 1 Samuel and include some background in chapters 1 through 15. Samuel is Israel's last judge and is serving as the manager of a transition from a theocracy to a monarchy, from God to a human king. Judges was a 300-year-old period of unmitigated leadership disaster because they did not follow God but were heavily involved in idol worship. A review of Jacob's prophecy in Genesis 49.10 shows that they had a clear expectation of a human king. And I quote, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Unquote. But this unyielding demand of the Israelites for a human king was just more evidence that the Israelites had rejected God as their king and protector. The book begins with a well-known Sunday school story of Hannah being barren and praying fervently to God for a child. <clears throat> Interesting that she should approach God with a bargain when God had not asked for anything, but she does promise to have her son given as a Nazarite and be given a lifetime of service to God. It seems to me it's a bit of a strange way how to give your child to God, but I think there is a caution for us not to make a bargain with God. Present our request in a true spirit and be content to let God decide. Eli, a very godly but aging man and both a judge and a priest of Israel, he prophesied that her prayer would be fulfilled. So it was obvious that he and God had a good connection. Now you read in chapter 2, verses 22, 1 Samuel, quote, Now Eli was old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of the meeting. Quote, These two sons would also take things from themselves that belonged to God in the process of sacrifice. Eli spoke to them several times about their behavior. They just laughed at him and did nothing about it. And though he was a godly man, he would take no actions to discipline his children and make things right in the house of God. The Lord sent a man to warn Eli of impending retributions. Eli did nothing. Note that Samuel was growing up, was growing in stature and in favor of the Lord and with men. He also was being raised in this permissive environment. Fast forward to chapter 8, starting verse 1. There is a sad deja vu situation where Samuel appoints his sons as judges over Israel. His sons, however, did not walk in the way of the Lord. And Samuel, for all his commitment to God, does nothing to correct the situation. 
Hannah had released her responsibility to upbringing her son to a man who had this glaring failure of parental responsibility. And just like Eli, God sent someone to Samuel to warn him of the consequences. The results are the same. Samuel takes no action. One can only speculate that the people's insistence upon a human king right now is strengthened by the failure of Samuel to clean house. The point, perhaps, is one that the most important ways to serve God is to rear godly children that walk with the Lord. How often have we seen godly men in ministry serving the Lord in a mighty way commit so much to their ministry that they let their family slip? God takes the structure of the family very seriously. God reveals to Samuel what he intends to do to correct the stench in God's house. And Samuel tells all to Eli. Eli responds, it is the Lord. Let him do what he seems good. The the Philistines attack and are defeating the Israelites who hastily retrieve the Ark of the Covenant to employ a good luck charm. There is no evidence that God has given any instruction or approval for the use of the Ark. The battle ends in total defeat for the Israelites. The Ark is captured and both Eli's sons are killed. When informed of their deaths, Eli fell over backwards and died. The ark proved to be a real problem for the Philistines. When put in the same room as their god Dagon, they found that their god faced down before the ark. The next day, after he was repositioned, they found his head cut off and and his palms slashed. The ark was immediately moved to save their god from further degradation. You would think they might have gotten a clue. In the next place for the ark, in the vicinity, everyone became ill with a strange stomach and urinary problem. Finally, the Philistines returned the ark to the Israelites with feelings of relief. The Lord warns the people what difference a human king will make upon their lives. But the Israelites insist even more on having a king and having him now. The Lord relents and says to Samuel, listen to their voice and appoint them a king. And a new era is about to begin. Next week, King Saul. May your day be filled with blessings of the Lord. Good day.